0: case you haven't figured out between the wedding cake and the wedding rings, uh, we're having a discussion about marriage together. Let let me read to you um, something that was sent to me. It just simply says, wife's diary. Tonight, I thought my husband was acting weird. Uh, We had made plans to meet at a nice restaurant for dinner I, I was shopping with friends all day long, so I thought he would be upset at the fact that I was home a bit late, but he made no comment on it. A conversation wasn't flowing, so I suggested uh, that we go somewhere quiet so that we could talk. He agreed, but he didn't say much when we got there. I asked him what was wrong, and he said nothing. I, I asked him if it was my fault that he was upset, and he said he wasn't upset, that uh, he had nothing to do with me and not to worry about it. On the way home, I told him that I loved him. He smiled slightly and then just kept driving. I can't explain his behavior. I don't know why he didn't say, I love you too. Uh, When we got home, I, I felt as if I had lost him completely, as if he wanted nothing to do with me anymore. He just sat there quietly and watched TV. He continued to seem distant and absent, Finally, with silence all around us, I decided to go to bed. About 15 minutes later, he came to bed, but I still felt that he was distracted and his thoughts were somewhere else. He fell asleep, and I cried. I don't know what else to do. I'm almost sure that his thoughts are with someone else. My life is a disaster. Husband's diary. Boat wouldn't start, can't figure it out. So you get, you get that we are wired way, 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 different. Matter of fact, next week we're going to come in, we're just going to dive into that. We're going to talk about how God in his wonder just made men and women just totally different, which is what causes tons of confusion within our relationship and how to meet those needs with each other. And so you're not going to want to miss that as uh, we have that conversation next week. But today we're just going to go, we're going to unpack something we kind of began a couple weeks ago. So. Let me ask you this, because we, we just seem to be in a society that, that is i-crazy right now. How, how many of you got an iPod? Okay. How, how many of you have an iPad? I'm not even sure. Why do we need iPads? I mean, if you've got a computer, it doesn't. Anyways, iPad. I, how, how many of you have an iPhone? How many of you have an i-marriage? <laughs> Here's what I'm going to suggest. That if your marriage is struggling, uh, that if you're at a place and you go, wow, I, I mean, we, we're in trouble or we're hurting or it seems like the same issues just keep coming up over and over and over. We can just can't move forward. I'm going to suggest it's likely that you're part of an I marriage. Here's an I marriage. An I marriage says, look, I'm, I'm in this thi- I, because of what I can get out of it. So the reality is, I mean, I'm here, and I'm okay, and I'm invested as long as I get what I need from you. And as long as that's going on, then I'm willing to participate. But the minute you let down your side, and the minute I'm not satisfied, and the minute I'm not fulfilled, then I I don't know that I have a whole lot of commitment to this thing here going, it's I-marriage. And you get that that when you turn the lights on I-marriage, when you you just kind of unwrap it and and expose it for what it is, I-marriage is deeply and profoundly selfish. Because at the end of the day, I-marriage simply says, I am in this for me, and if I don't get what I want and what I need and what I expect, then I'm not sure I'm in it anymore and at its very core it is selfishness personified and if you don't catch anything else as we have this conversation today here's the you can never be selfish and have a great marriage let me just say that again you cannot be selfish and have A great marriage. Matter of fact, here's what I think you and I are going to discover today. I think you and I are going to come to the conclusion that just perhaps the reason God created men and women and put them in this amazing relationship of marriage was to teach us how not to be selfish. That in the very giving that it takes, in, in in the very effort that it takes to have a great marriage, you have to slay selfishness. That maybe, just maybe, marriage is God's way to teach us not to be so consumed with I in our lives. Matter of fact, here's what's going to happen today is that God is actually going to invite you and me to begin to show to our spouse an unselfish love, a non-I interested non-conditional love for my spouse. Because you get that as long as I'm in marriage for I, that, that what's happening at the moment is that I can only offer my spouse love based on them meeting my conditions. Here's what I relationship says. I love you if, See, I I love you if dinner's on the table when I get home. I love you if you take me on a date night once a week. I I love you if you listen to me when I have an opinion. See, I, I love you if, but don't meet my conditions, don't come up to my expectation, then I'm not sure I love you. I, Mary says, I love you because, I, I love you because, Ready for the, how you make me feel. How many times have you met a couple and say, how do you know you're in love? Oh, he makes me feel so good. Do you realize how selfish that is? I love him because of how he makes me I love you because you're 36, 24, 36. <laughs> you know how long that's gonna last, right? I I love you because always brings terms and conditions. And and here's what you've here's what you've gotta get. That that. I love you if and I love you because will always disintegrate into a contractual relationship between a man and a woman. If you're single, remember we said, hey, if you're single, you may have the chance to learn more from this series than even the married people because you haven't jumped out of the airplane yet. (laughs) And you get the chance to read the instructions before you're falling to earth. And I'm just saying, if you're single... And you're dating somebody and they are offering their love to you conditionally and they're saying, look, 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 I love you because you send me cards. I, I love you if you call me every single night and we talk. And that person you're dating is offering you conditional love. It, can I, run! 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 Because remember we said one of the insidious things that happens in every relationship is this, that when it moves from courting and to commitment, that it is only natural that I start taking what I was hoping you would do, and I start putting it in the you owe me box, and suddenly that relationship becomes contractual. And guys, I'm just telling you, if if he's doing this while you're dating if she's saying, I love you if, and I love you when, and I love you because while you're dating, wait till you marry the sucker. It will be 10 times worse. Run away, run away, run away. You get, you get the contractual marriage is absolutely, at its core, selfish marriage. I love you if, I love you when, I love you because you meet my requirements. And in the day in which you don't meet my requirements, I don't know if I love... Guys, think about this. Isn't divorce court full of men and women suing each other for breach of contract? And, and here's, how the, here's how the conversation goes. Look, look, look. No, no, I loved you. I, I did. I loved you. I used to love you. But you stopped, fill in the blank. And then he says, well, yeah, but the reason I stopped is because you never. Yeah, but I didn't stop until you nevered first. But I wouldn't have nevered if you hadn't stopped. And you get that. Divorce court is full of men and women suing each other for breach of contract because we said to each other, I love you if, I love you when, I love you because, and you're no longer because me. Contractual marriage. Conditional love. And here's what you gotta get. Is that God says it was never intended to be that way because this at its very core is deeply, deeply, deeply selfish. Because it's all about I. And that instead of a contractual marriage, God said, instead, you and I were to be in a covenant. Notice how they look like wedding rings? Woo. Pretty good. All right. But God said, look, 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 to get, to get into the covenant, there are some conditions. In, in, in other words, there's some things you got to do to enter the covenant. Uh, One of those conditions is you've got to be faithful to your spouse. God said, look, if if you aren't faithful, if you cheat on your spouse, you violate the covenant. Well, there are other conditions is, hey, you've you've got to, the Bible says if an unbeliever, if someone who doesn't know Jesus runs out on a person who does know Jesus and says, look, I'm tired of you being a Christian, I don't want to live with you anymore, then the Bible says, okay, so they left the covenant. But here's the important part. But once I'm in the covenant... Okay, in other words, there's some conditions to getting in. But in the covenant, there are no conditions. It's a covenant. It's a promise given without condition. Which is why, which is why, which is why, when we stand in front of our friends and the pastor and God and say, look, 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 for better, for worse. You get what we're saying, and we're saying, look, there is no condition. There's nothing that could happen. There's no behavior that could be exhibited. For better, for worse. For richer, for poorer. So even if this doesn't turn out how I thought it would financially, and even if it doesn't go the way we did, and we, and we never get the house I expected or the cars I want, for richer, for poorer. In sickness and in health. You get what we just said? We just said out loud, there is no condition in the covenant. And what God asks you and I to do is offer our spouse unconditional love in the covenant. No contracts, unconditional love. In the New Testament, there's actually three different words for love. Uh, One of them is eros, which is where you and I get the word erotic from. And it's just that physical attraction between a man and a woman. And here's the thing, I'm hoping if you're married, I hope you got a whole bunch of eros going on, okay? It's just, because that's, that's good stuff. It's just not foundational stuff. It's just not what you can build. Because here's the deal. You can eros a whole bunch of people, okay? It's not worth building a relationship on. There's, there's, a, there's a second kind of love. It's phileo. It, it, it means brotherly love. Matter of fact, it's where we get the word Philadelphia from. Phileo, brotherly love, Delphi city. Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. And it's a love that just says, look, I've got your back. We're going to go through life together. Uh, you can count on me. When the chips are down, I'll be there. When the chips are, when it's going good, I'll rejoice with you. It's brotherly love. And there's a third type of love. It's agape love. It's godly love. It's a love that says, I love you despite your performance. I simply love you. Matter of fact, here's what's supposed to happen in the moment when a man and a woman gets married. They're supposed to be saying to each other, I agape you. I, ready? I have found somebody in my life. That I love more than myself. I found somebody I love more than me. Which means, look, 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 I'm, I'm willing to set aside my needs and my desires and my hopes to, for what you need. Think about when Jesus goes to the cross. Okay? What are Jesus' needs? Jesus' need is stay alive. I mean, stay alive. You and I needed a savior. You and I needed a sacrifice. Why was that agape love? Because in that moment, Jesus said, what you need is more important to me than what I need. I will agape you. Now, guys, here's, here's what we got to get. When we agape love, this has nothing to do with how I feel about you. Because in the moment... I may feel really nasty about you. You you may have bad breath. You, You may have just said something mean. It doesn't change because agape love is not conditional love. Agape love simply says, I love you more than I love me. And I choose to meet your need ahead of my need. And it doesn't matter how I feel about you in this moment. There's no way that Jesus felt good about the nails. He wasn't going... This is fun. You get, he was placing his need below your need. And you go, well, <laughs> Lynn, here's the stupid part about this conversation. I mean, that's, that's this weird godly. I mean, I can't do that. I, I, there's no way I can do that. You and I do this all the time. We do it for our children, don't we? Don't we, don't we offer to our children unqualified love and we just simply say, look, you're my son, you're my daughter, no matter what you do, no matter how you behave, I still love you. I may be disappointed in you, I may be frustrated, but I, I still love you and nothing you can do will change the fact that I love you and I will treat you lovingly. Isn't it interesting that we offer that type of love for our kids and we withhold that type of love from our spouse. Because with our spouse, we're being selfish. And with our children, we're loving them more than ourselves. Guys, this is, this is why divorce blows the minds of kids. Because all of a sudden, they're riding along in a car and mommy's saying, look, I don't love daddy anymore. Or we're sitting on a couch and daddy's saying, look, I'm leaving because your mom and I, we just don't feel for each other the way we used to feel for each other. So I'm gone. I'm out of here. And, and, and all of a sudden, in that little mind, that can't comprehend it, can't express this to us. But here's why the confusion is so they're going, whoa, 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 whoa. This is a family. We're supposed to love each other Unconditionally. And if you're telling me that mom and dad love each other based on performance, then what's the difference for me? When do you come in and tell me I'm no longer your son, I'm no longer your daughter? Because if you love mom conditionally, and it's why this just absolutely blows children out of the water. Because, because, you ready? Because marriage was never to be about conditional love. See, our kids have it right. Our kids understood We were never to offer our spouse, if you perform, then I'm in kind of love. Because in the covenant, no conditions. The only way, the only way that you and I are ever going to experience the type of love that you and I are supposed to have is to slay the eye. And guys, here's what you need to hear me say. I, I wish I could just say to you, boy, this this is a once and over deal. You just say, hey, I love you, and I love you more than I love me. And then it, you realize that in marriage, remember we said marriage may be God's proving ground, God's way of teaching you and I selflessness. You will slay the eye a thousand times. You will slay the eye a thousand times. But the only way, the only way to have a remarkable marriage is slay the eye. You say, well, how do you do that? I mean, that Lynn, come on, that's, this, is, this is tough stuff. And it, yeah, it is. It, it's hard. So grab your Bibles because Scripture is going to help us. It's Ephesians chapter 5. And actually two weeks ago we kind of started unpacking. We're going to unpack the rest. Remember we said that Ephesians chapter 5 is actually the most powerful passage in all the scripture describing how a man and a woman are supposed to do marriage together. So if you're not real familiar, go to the back of your Bible, work to the left, we'll get to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Okay, so to help us get there, remember we said, look, What happens so often in a relationship is that I start out dating. We start out courting each other. And in that moment, I've got a whole bunch of things I hope will be true in my marriage. I hope will be true once we're committed. But somewhere in the process, I begin to take my hopes and I move them to the I, you owe me bucket. And guys, the crazy part about this is most of us don't even remember when we did it. But we wake up one morning and go, Man, my wife really is not measuring up. Man, my husband is dropping the ball. And when you and I say that, you and I know that you have moved from I hope to you owe me. And here is the death sentence of that, is that once this happens, once I allow this to happen, it is the death nail of romance, it is the death nail of our, because here's the deal, Even when my husband performs, even when my wife meets expectation, they get no credit. Because all they did was meet the minimum requirements of the contract. That's all they did. And so even though they've done something for me, it's just, it was what was expected. And that the only way, the only way to beat this is to be sure that anything that I've moved over to you owe me goes back to. I hope because if it stays in that bucket you've got an eye marriage and your marriage is going to be a lifetime of eyes beating up eyes that's that's what it's reduced to You and I intrinsically know this doesn't work. I've got this friend. We'll call him Gary uh, to protect the guilty. And uh, I knew Gary years ago. I was uh, youth pastoring in Southern California. And one day, uh, Gary shows up at my door, and he gives me a bag of red licorice. And I'm like, wow, Gary, that's pretty nice. Nice why'd you do that? I was just thinking of you. Okay. A couple weeks later, I was getting ready to head down to San Bernardino, which was about 25 minutes from where we lived, and Gary goes, hey, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. I'm going, well, Gary, no, it's okay. It's just 20 minutes. I'm fine driving by myself. I No, no, I'll go with you. We can talk. Okay, Gary, I guess you can go with me. So Gary went down to San Bernardino, came back. back. So I'm I'm getting a little weirded out this moment, I'm thinking, man crush? (laughs) And then, and then I figured it out. One day Gary came to me and he said, hey Lynn, uh, I I was hoping you could help me out at my parents' uh, cleaning out their garage. Uh, they 've got a whole bunch of stuff that they need to get rid of, and so it needs to all be hauled off and then there 's some stuff they want to keep and it needs to get all organized in the garage and and i was uh, I was hoping you could do that and uh, i said well gary that that feels a little weird, me poking around your parents stuff i mean." Some of that's got to be personal and private, and then I'm supposed to tell your parents what stuff they need to throw away and what stuff they don't need to throw away and keep, and then I'm going to organize and put it where I would put it and not where they would put it. I said, Gary, I just, that just feels a little weird. And Where are you going to be while I'm doing this? Skiing. I went, Gary, Gary, look, no, this, this just feels too weird. It feels too uncomfortable. I'm going to be at your parents' house by myself, organizing their stuff. I don't even know your parents that well. And you're going to be skiing? I, no, just no, Gary. Next word's out of his mouth. You owe me. I said, Gary, what, what, what do you mean I owe you? I brought you red licorice. I, I rode with you to San Bernardino. And I'm going, dude, dude, wait, whoa, wait, 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 wait. All right, so you did those things that I didn't even ask for you to do, but you did those things so that I would, like, owe you a debt and that you could then come in and, like, capriciously just, like, cash in the chips? No. No. I don't do friendship that way. Matter of fact, I don't think we're friends right now. Isn't it interesting that you and I know that that is absolutely dysfunctional in a friendship and yet it's exactly how we treat our spouses. Husbands, you, you carry out the trash and, or, or, or you mow the lawn or you take her out on that date night on once a week. But we, we, we do that because we go, look, look, somehow this is earning me brownie points. Somehow me doing what she's hoping that I will do somehow creates this invisible ledger of she owes me and now that I have fulfilled my commitments as a husband, she needs to fulfill her commitments as my wife. And I'm gonna be able to throw my card in and go, hey, hey, hey. I played with the kids for three minutes. <laughs> you owe me big time. Wives. See, we go, whoa, 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 whoa. I cleaned the house, I, I met your physical needs. So, so now you're obligated to be the right type of, to do what I need you to do as my husband, right? Because this is a debt-debtor relationship. I do for you, you do for me, and, and guys, guys, if we know that that is messed up in a friendship, why do we bring it to our spouse? How much more messed up is it in a marriage? And if you wouldn't have a friend like that, why will you have a wife like that? Or a husband like that? Why do we treat each other that? How come you and I are Gary to our spouses? You owe me. And then Ephesians 5. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 21. Here's what it says. Submit to one another. Now here's the part we want to unpack. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, guys, 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 here's what you gotta get. Remember, we said what submitting was? We said submitting is this. I take whatever's in my hope bucket, and I say in that moment, look, this is this is what I was hoping was gonna be part of my relationship. This is what I was hoping would be part of our marriage. I've left it in the hope bucket, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to submit that. See, I'm going I'm to set that down, and now I'm going to come over, and I'm going to work on your hope bucket, because here's what I'm going to say. What you need is more important to me than what I need. I'm going to submit my needs to your needs. Not because you ready? Not because your husband is attentive. Not because your physical desires are being met. Not, not, not because the last time he made a decision he was right. Was the passage saying? Out of reverence for Christ. He said, well, Lynn, what what does that mean? See, I I think Paul, I think God knew you and and I would be choking right now. I I think he knew. He says, look, 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 look. You want me to submit my needs to my husband? You haven't met my husband. You, You want me to take my needs and put them below my wife's needs? You don't know how demanding my wife could be. I'd, be, I'd have a little ring in my nose. He says, No, no, no. You're not doing this because your wife is the wife. You're not doing this because your husband. You do this out of reverence for Christ. It's almost as if, it's almost as if at this moment you and I are having a conversation with Jesus. And it goes something like this Jesus says, Hey, uh, you remember the cross? Yeah, Jesus, I remember the cross. And you remember that in that moment, I died for you. I died to pay your debt and to pay for your sins so that you could go to heaven. Yeah, Jesus, I know. Believe me, I know. And it's as if Jesus then says, so what would you do if I asked you? What would you do? And that you and I say, well, I, Jesus, I'd do anything. I mean, I mean I, for you, for my Savior, for the one who died for me, I, Jesus, I would do anything for you. I mean, any, just ask. And then Jesus says, oh, okay. Then take whatever gratitude you have for me. Take whatever thankfulness you have for me. Take, take whatever expression of love that you have for me. You ready? And pour it on your wife. That's the best thing you could do for me. And you and to go, is there a plan B? Is there, you know, I mean, could I like give 11% tithe for a while? Or, you know, could I attend church like perfect attendance for a year? I mean, there's got to be some other way I could show my gratitude. Jesus says, no, no, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm asking you to submit your needs to her needs as an expression of your love and gratitude and thankfulness for me. I I want you to channel all of that gratefulness on her. Now, here's the deal. If you're here today and and you're not a believer, you're not a Christ follower yet, you've never made that decision, then what we're gonna talk about for the next couple minutes is not gonna make a whole lot of sense to you. I, I get it, because you're gonna go, I don't owe any gratefulness and I'm not thankful. But I'm gonna ask you to stay tuned in. Because at the end of this, I'm going to ask you to consider doing something that has the potential to change your marriage, even if this part of the conversation doesn't quite fit yet. Go to the next verse, verse 22. Wives, you know it's so interesting it's so hard and we get so angry do you realize the verse before it said both of you submit to each other as a matter of fact we're going to figure out in in a week or two why God even asked this of a wife and what it does to the heart of a man when she gives this it says wives submit to your husbands why because you know what he's so good handling the finances Wives, do this to your husband because, you know what, every time you want to talk, he turns off the TV and sits down and says, tell me. <laughs> That's why you submit. No, you know what, God knew he wasn't going to do that. So he says to the wife, he says, wives, submit as to the Lord. And you get, you get what he just said to you. Look, 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 look. This cannot be performance-based because here's the truth. I didn't love you based on your performance. And all I'm simply saying to you wives is, look, do do you you understand what I did for you and do you appreciate it? And if you do, if you appreciate what I did and out of gratitude for what I did, I'm just gonna ask you to literally take that gratitude, that thankfulness that you have for me, and I'm gonna ask you to pour that on your husband, to channel that. On him. It's it's as if he's saying to us, I want you to show my love to your spouse. Men, jump down to verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. I love her. He's going to say, No, 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 no. Here's what I mean by love your wife, right? Love your wives just as Christ loved the church. You get that you and me are the church. How did Jesus love us? He died for us. He died for us. And gave himself up for her. See, if, if you're, man, if you're in this room today and you go, look, I'm a Christ follower. Okay, that's good. I, I love it. I love that you're a Christ follower. What would you do for Jesus? I'd die for Jesus. Would you? Would you die for Would you lay your life down for Jesus? Then you get in this passage that God just said, lay your life down for your wife. He says, look, 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 here's, here's, here's the deal. That means you've got to be willing to take your hobbies, your career, your goals, and you've got to be willing to say, look, if, if, if blessing my wife meant I had to step away from those things. If that's what was required, I would lay down my life. I'd I'd give them all up. And if you're a man in here in this room today and you say, I love Jesus on my heart, I would die for Jesus, but you won't die for your wife, you're a liar. Because Jesus said, you ready? Take your gratitude to me, channel it onto your wife. If you really love me and appreciate me, Jesus said, here's what I'm asking you to do. Shower it on your wife. Guys, if you can't get anything else in this moment, get this. God wants to show Lisa how much he loves her. And he's chosen me to show her. Amen. God wants your wife to know how deeply he loves her, and he chose you to be the living in flesh representative of his love. Wives, God wanted your husband to know how deeply and unconditionally he's loved, and he chose you to be his expression. Submit to one another. See here. Remember what we said? Marriage may actually be the battleground in which Jesus teaches us how to be unselfish, because you can't have a great marriage and be selfish. Now I know, I know, I know. I know some of us are going. Whoa, 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 whoa! You don't get it. I have just now got him trained. <laughs> See, the leash is firmly attached, and we have spent years negotiating how much rope he has. And, and it's a really, it's a good system, okay, because he's just now becoming potty trained. And, and here's the deal. If, if he behaves really, really good, then we give him a little more rope. And if he doesn't behave the way he's supposed to, then you just tighten her up a little bit. And it seems to be highly effective in our relationship. So, you know, you know here, here's a husband. He says to his wife, hey, uh, remember I gave you $5 last week? You did really good. I'm thinking I could trust you with $5.50. <laughs> hey, remember I asked you to be home at 6 o'clock? You were home three minutes early. I'm, think, I'm thinking you could come home at 6.30. But, 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 but. Don't take, don't abuse this, because if you abuse, then. You get the leash. It's all about enforcing the debt. You, you get the leash. The, the negotiated is all about saying, I'm, this is how I'm going to make sure you do for me what I need done for me. And, and the minute you don't fulfill, then we're gonna, we'll tighten the leash up. You get the leash is selfishness. Guys, okay, so don't get me wrong. There, there's, a place, there's a place for a relationship where if someone performs better than they should, you give them a little more room, and someone performs less than they're expected, you tighten the leash up a little bit. It, it's called parenting. You don't want to parent your spouse. Matter of fact, what, what, what Jesus is going to say is, just lay it down. And some of us just even see, we're like, that was long enough, long enough, whoa. Man. I think I just had a panic attack. I mean, to be that out of control with my spouse, I mean, One of the guys, I don't know if this makes any sense, one of the guys last hour said, you know, really what what needs to happen is you and I have to submit the I. We gotta lay down the I. And then he went, that's so cool, man. It's like a big H. Because it's all about him. (laughs) I don't know. I didn't like it either, but... um, I I did think it was kind of cool that when I lay down my eye, I figure out that it's about him. So here's what I'm going to challenge you. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. One week. One week. One week of you saying, I am going to take my gratitude for Christ, my love for Christ, and for one week, I am going to shower that on my spouse. And, And... I get, I get that that's terrifying because what if, what if they don't do it back? What if they just go, thank you? No, you're right. I, because you get, you get this isn't conditional. This isn't about changing them or fixing them. We've been doing that for a long time. This is about just simply saying, I am so thankful for what Jesus has done for me. I am going to let Jesus use me to show his love to my spouse for one week. For one week. I mean, what do you got to lose? I mean, after a week, you can go back to being selfish again. I get to the in here, and you, we said, you know, hey guys, you're not a believer, and so this doesn't make sense. And you go, I don't, I don't even have any gratitude for Jesus to shower on my spouse because I just haven't even figured out if I'm grateful to Jesus yet. I get it. So what if, what if for you, what if just for a week you said, look, I'm going to take my hopes. I'm going to submit them to my spouse. I'm going to spend a week taking care of the needs and desires of my spouse. One week. And I'll just be honest. You know why I'm asking you to do that? Because I believe there is so much power in this. You'll come back after a week and go, oh, my goodness. God knew what he was talking about. And, And if God knew what he was talking about on that subject, then just maybe he knows what he's talking about on some other subjects. And you may just come to a point where you say, hey, Jesus makes a ton of sense. And I think maybe I need him in my life. One week. Let's pray. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, we just come before you. and God, we, we have come at this thing just backwards. We, we thought marriage was all about getting my needs met my way. And that as long as my spouse did for me what I needed them to do for me, then I was willing to do back whatever they required back. And God we have been so over the top selfish in our this is we have done I marriage and then we wondered, why is this not working? And you simply said, there's no room for selfishness in a marriage. That, that this has always been about submitting your needs to your needs, your spouse. It has always been saying, I found somebody that I love more than me, and I choose to bless them without expecting anything back. And God, if for no other reason, just out of reverence for you, just to be a vessel that you could show your love for a husband, your love for a wife through their spouse, out of reverence for Christ. God, help us to slay the eye. Help us to realize there's no room in marriage for selfishness. Give us the courage to at least try for a week. In Jesus' precious name, amen.